This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm your host, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Thanks for listening today. I'm super glad you're here, and great job on doing something to move your recovery forward today. My sponsor told me once that something is always progressing, either my recovery or my addiction. One is always progressing. After five years of doing this, I totally agree. So great job on doing something to make progress in your recovery today. This is episode 37, and this is the continuation of our deep dive series into the 12 steps of recovery. I am totally loving this deep dive. I hope you are too. It has really helped me to dig even deeper into the steps and how they apply in my life. It's helped me to look at how I can work them more often in my life as well. We are currently diving into step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. In our last episode of this series, episode 35, we discussed the courage and the honesty it takes to be willing to work this step. This step is not for the faint of heart and can be a big distinguisher between those who stay sober and move on in recovery and those who kind of stall out here. Having the courage to face ourselves and the willingness to be honest is incredibly important as we prepare to work step four. But that is just the preparation. We need to move into action with step four. This step asks us to examine ourselves, to face ourselves, to take a moral inventory of ourselves. And that's what I want to discuss today. What exactly is a moral inventory and how will this help us out? However, before we jump in, I want to remind you a few things we have going on with Worth Recovery. First, of course, is our Worth Recovery event, Engaged in the Struggle. This is scheduled for Saturday, July 16th in the Seattle, Washington area. Are you going to be there? I hope so. I'm going to be there. I am so excited. Staying engaged in the struggle is not the easy option. It takes commitment, courage, and dedication. So many of you ask me questions about how we stay engaged, how we work through trauma, how we have better relationships, and how we have boundaries. Well, like I've told you before, I don't know all the answers to all those questions, but I do know people who do know the answers. At this full day workshop, we're going to talk to some of those people. We're going to have three CSAT therapists, that is certified sex addiction therapists, come and present on the topics that you ask me about most. In our last few episodes, I've announced the speakers that are going to be involved. I told you first about Aaron Glade, my original therapist who will be speaking about trauma. Next, I told you about Patricia Lyon, who will be speaking about boundaries. And now today, I'm going to tell you about our final CSAT speaker, and that is Sue Newfield Ellis. You guys, this woman is amazing. Sue originally started her career as a registered nurse and has since expanded and worked in the fields of counseling, addictions, and psychotherapy since 1981. She is a CSAT therapist and presents nationally on healthy relationships and intimacy. 
Her most recent passion over the last several years has been that of mindfulness and meditation. And this is what she's going to be speaking and presenting about at our event. Staying engaged in the struggle requires us to be mindful, incredibly mindful, in tune with what we are doing, why we are doing it, and how it is affecting us. She's going to coach us through what mindfulness is and how to incorporate it more into our lives and our recovery. You should know she's a little bit of a rock star in the mindfulness and sex addiction worlds. She even led a meditation once at the United Nations. I'm totally thrilled that she's agreed to join us and will be with us in July. She's going to be there the entire day too. Totally excited. I hope that you're going to join us. We're expecting over 50 women at this event. Again, it's Saturday, July 16th, 2016 in Renton, Washington. Get online at our website, worthrecovery.com. That's www.worthrecovery.com. And learn more about the schedule and get registered. This is going to be an amazing event. In addition to learning from these great therapists, you'll get a chance to really learn from and network with other women in recovery. And that to me is like one of the best parts. It's essential that we come out of isolation and recovery and connect with other women in our struggle. Join us. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be back in Seattle for the week where I kind of found recovery at the beginning and to reconnect with friends and family. All the details are on our website, worthrecovery.com. Look for the Engaged in the Struggle icon on the right-hand side. You can't miss it. Next, of course, I want to give a big shout-out to all of our Worth Warriors. Thank you guys so much for your support. It's because of the Worth Warriors that we can keep this podcast free for all of you listening. Do you want to be part of that cause, part of supporting Worth Recovery and helping women around the world have a voice of another woman to connect with in their recovery? You can do that by becoming a Worth Warrior. For as little as $4 a month, that's less than 50 cents an episode, guys. You can support other women in recovery. The other thing you can do is to share this podcast. Do you have someone you think might benefit? Another woman in recovery, whether that's sex addiction or any other addiction, share this podcast with them. Help them find the support they need. If this has helped you, I promise that it will help them. Help them by sharing your favorite episode. Tell them what, how it changed your recovery and what it's doing to help you. Do it today. Don't wait. All the information for both of our upcoming events, as well as the Worth Warriors, can be found on our website, worthrecovery.com. Okay, let's jump back to our topic today, a moral inventory. You ladies know how much of a word geek I am. So let's take these two words one by one and break them down, okay? Moral inventory, moral. I looked this up in dictionary.com and I listed a few of the words that kind of stood out to me. So here's some of them. Relating to or being concerned with the principles or rules of right conduct. The distinction between right and wrong. Being ethical, right conduct. Right conduct was listed several times. Acting on the mind, feelings, will, or character. And then also that this word, moral, can be used to describe attitude, obligations, being, behavior, or support. In essence, as an adjective, it is used to describe right conduct. Whether that conduct relates to your attitude, your obligations, your behavior, or your support, we are talking about what is right or wrong here 
as you view it and as society views it as well. I think it's a combination. Inventory. Second word, inventory. You know what inventory is, right? Maybe you've had the curse or privilege, depending upon how you look at it, to work for a company where you had to take inventory or be part of the inventory process. Though I've never been involved directly in that kind of process, I've heard the stories because I've had a position where I had to adjust the accounting for the inventory process. It's not always fun, but it is necessary. It's a necessary process of business. If a company is going to stay in business, they need to be taking regular inventory and have a regular inventory process. The inventory process is pretty simple, right? You count and define what you have. You create a formal list of the objects or items that you represent as a company. Sometimes people call it a catalog, a catalog of what I have, of what I'm selling. Most companies have some sort of software that manages their inventory. This is a $5.6 billion industry, according to Ibis World. They're an industry research company. $5.5 billion is spent annually on inventory management systems and software. Inventory is important, very important if it takes up that big of a market share, $5.5 billion. There are many reasons we take inventory. Usually businesses are looking to answer the following questions. How much of our products do we have on hand? What is the value of our inventory? And how often does inventory turn over? Now let's combine these words together for our fourth step, moral inventory. We're going to complete the inventory process on our moral conduct, or I could say our lack of moral conduct, because that is really what we're going to look at. We are going to look at the lack of right behavior we have in our lives. We're going to look at the immoral inventory of our lives, but I'm really glad they don't say that. I'm glad it doesn't say made a searching and fearless immoral inventory of ourselves, because then people really would not want to complete this inventory. Plus, the word immoral has such a sexual connotation to it in our society. Immorality is almost always tied to sexual behavior, where most people associate moral with a larger meaning. And in this step, we're going to look at the larger meaning of moral, of what a moral inventory is. It's not just about our sexual behavior. It's about a much bigger set of behaviors and attitudes that affect our lives. Either way, we're going to complete a moral inventory. As I said, there are a lot of reasons to take an inventory. I love what the big book of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, says about it. This comes from page 64, and it says, quote, A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. Close quote. I love this quote. I think there are a lot of principles in here that we need to look at. So let's break it down a little bit. First, a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Why do you think that is? Why do you think inventory is such a vital part of running a healthy business? To me, this is about awareness. If I'm not keeping track of inventory, I have no idea where I stand. I don't know what sells well and what is just taking up space. I don't know if things are being stolen or damaged. I can't fix problems I'm not aware of. 
Also, I might miss out on opportunities if I'm out of stock on something. The point being that the awareness and inventory brings is what helps the business maximize their profit. The second part of the quote from the big book says, taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. This moral inventory, completing this process, is bringing awareness to the facts of our lives. Not what we want to believe, not what we hope is true or not true, but the actual facts. What are the facts of our lives? What are the facts around our moral conduct, our right behavior, or our lack thereof? We are going to look at the facts. I loved this part because it helped me to take the emotion out of it. Uh, Most of it, at least. I tried to take as much emotion out of it as I could. This wasn't about shaming myself. This wasn't about being a terrible or a horrible person. This wasn't about the destruction I had caused. This was simply a fact-finding and fact-facing moral inventory of my life. The goal was to help me discover the truth about the stock in trade. And that stock in trade is me. This was to help me discover the truth about me. The essay white book says this about it. I think it's really insightful on page 108. Quote, the business of the fourth step inventory need cause no confusion. It is in fact very simple. Writing our fourth is writing about ourselves, who we really are. And since our defects didn't come about in a vacuum, we can pretty well reveal the truth about ourselves by telling about our relations and encounters with other people. Close quote. I love that. Who we really are. There is a reason, though, that this step, step number four, is not one, two, or three. I don't know about you, but when I came into the program, I was not ready to face exactly who I really was. I mean, I kind of had an inkling of who I was. I had a fantasy about who I wanted to be or who I was trying to be for other people. But I was in denial about so many of my own behaviors, character defects, and the reality of who I was. Before I could successfully face myself, I had to have the solid foundation of hope that I had built in steps one, two, and three. I had to know that there was a higher power who cared for me and who could restore me to sanity. I also had to have made the decision that I would seek the will of my higher power and not my own will. Because if I was seeking my own will, I wouldn't be doing this inventory. The foundation of steps one, two, and three, the hope that that built in my life, provided a foundation for me to be able to really look at who I was. The second part of this quote is also really important part of this step. It says again, quote, And since our defects didn't come about in a vacuum, We can pretty well reveal the truth about ourselves by telling about our relations and encounters with other people, close quote. My therapist used to tell me that all the time. Addiction doesn't start in a vacuum, Amy. (laughs) I used to think that it did. I used to think that I could do whatever I wanted by myself and that it didn't really affect or hurt other people. But that simply is not true. Everything I do impacts other people because everything I do impacts me. And when it impacts me, it impacts my encounter and my relations with other people. When I take a moral inventory and tell the facts about my relations and encounters with others, my awareness of myself grows. And that's the key principle here, the awareness about myself. 
My business experience has taught me three principles about inventory that apply to this step as well that I also learned from working my own fourth step. I want to review these principles with you. First, principle one, inventory must always be as accurate as possible. Remember when I told you that inventory management is a $5.6 billion industry. It is that way because of the need to be accurate and efficient. It must be accurate because companies make massive financial decisions based on that inventory. The same is true for us. Our inventory must be as accurate as possible. We must be rigorously honest. This is where the words searching and fearless come in. This is why we talked last time about courage and honesty. This moral inventory that we're going to complete must be as accurate as possible, as complete as possible. Is it going to be perfect? No, it's not. Just just come to terms with that right now. But it needs to be as accurate as you can make it. The reason it is this way is because you are going to make a whole lot of decisions based on the information you put down. You're going to work on your character defects list. You're going to make amends for the harms you have caused. There are going to be decisions after decisions that you will make as a result of this inventory. The more accurate your information, the better your decisions, just like in business. Principle two, inventory reveals trends. Like I said earlier, I used to work on the financial side of inventory, and so I would have to make the adjustments in the accounting books after the inventory was complete. You know, one of the reasons we take inventory in business is to look at the trends of our sales and our products. What is popular? What is not? What is working for our customers? What is not? What gets returned all of the time? What wastes space on our shelves? All sorts of questions. All these great business questions that help us as a business to be more profitable. The same works for a moral inventory. As we start to create this inventory in the lists, we start to see connections and trends in our lives. We start to see the character defects and the character flaws that really aren't working for us. We start to see the relationship trends we have, the wasted space that resentment and fear have become in our lives. We start to see all of these trends that have caused problems for us in the past. As our awareness of these trends and connections grow, we are then able to make better decisions about what we can do with them. Okay, and then principle three, our last principle, inventory must be continual. Inventory is not a one and done thing. We don't take inventory in business one time at the beginning and one time at the end, or one time at the beginning and never again. Inventory must be done on a continual basis over and over and over again. For me, step four was the first time I had really tried to do a moral inventory of my life. It was the first time I had put down in black and white on paper. It wasn't really black and white because I love writing in color, but you know, whatever. But I put it down on paper what had been the nature of the encounters and the relations with other people in my life. It was scary. And while I was doing it, I felt like I never, ever wanted to do it again. The good thing is once you do it, once you do your entire life up until this point, you don't have to do that much work again, ever. But you do keep taking this inventory. We just move to doing it more often so that it doesn't build up again. We daily, weekly, or monthly take this inventory and move on. This is step 10. That's what you'll get to when you get to step 10. But my point is here that you want to get used to this process. 
As much as you might be dreading taking a moral inventory, as much as it scares you, as hard as it might be, this is going to become part of your new way of living in recovery. You're going to learn to take an inventory on a regular basis and to use it to make healthier decisions in your life. So don't skimp on this step. Get used to it. Let it sink in. Take time to wrap your brain and your heart around it and learn what makes it a valuable experience for you. Because I think it's all a little different for everyone. What makes it work and what doesn't. Step four, made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves, is an essential part of clearing away the wreckage of our past. It's the beginning of that process. It's an essential part of giving up our secrets. We've lived in secrecy for too long. It's time to put it down. It's an essential part of turning from our old way of living to one that demands rigorous honesty, to living in recovery. Episodes 39 and 41 that are coming up are going to focus on methods of working step four. There are many, many ways to approach this step, many ways to complete this inventory. There's no right or wrong way. There's many different ways that you can approach it, and you need to find the one that works for you. I can promise you one thing, though. It's not going to cost you $5.6 billion. See, are you so excited? You get to do an inventory that's not going to cost you money. I'm excited to share with you what I did and what I've seen others do. As you begin to think about those methods or maybe reflect on your own step four, let me leave you with this thought from the essay white book, page 109. It says, quote, a well-organized or well-written inventory may be no true inventory at all. The fourth is the person. And in the emotional area, people are not computers. Human emotions don't travel in straight lines. They zigzag all over. It is not necessary to slavishly follow someone else's outline, format, or procedure. We write about ourselves as best we can. The key is looking at our own defects and wrongs, especially in our relations with others. Whether we proceed one defect at a time or one person or incident at a time usually becomes clear as we begin. And once we start, we open up the blocked channels and it all starts coming out. Close quote. That was my experience. Once I finally started writing, after I obsessed about the right way and the right method, it just started coming out. And the more that came out, the better my life has become. I'm excited to start talking with you in the next two episodes about those ways and about the ways that you can work step four in your life. In conclusion, ladies, as always, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. Also, we have our big event in Seattle, Washington coming up in July. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff.
The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.